Okay, so listen, we continue our sermon series on um, the Ten Commandments. And so, uh, you know, hoping that we're learning uh, something new. I'm learning more and more each week. I didn't, you know, I've never had preached on the Ten Commandments. So I hope that we, um, once again, be able to connect the dots between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I'm going to continue to remind you all, you know, um, you know, just a quick review, you know, the, you know, the Ten Commandments were given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Of course, you know, the, it all started at Mount Sinai because Jesus, or, uh, Moses and God had this conversation at the burning bush. And so go tell the Pharaoh, let my people go. So he goes and tells them. And finally, Pharaoh relents and he lets the people go. When they end up, it takes them about three months to get back to Mount Sinai. And of course, first thing that God does is he... He gives them the Ten Commandments. And they're actually not called the Ten, the original context is not the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Words, because God gives them through, he actually speaks them before he writes them down. And so we have these, um, um, once again, the idea of the Ten Commandments, the first four, or first four of the words have to do with a relationship with God and honoring God. And we're gonna pick that up today because we're going third command. And then the other six have to do with our relationship with each other. So what does it have to do with, well, the New Testament? Well, in the New Testament, we once again, we find that, you know, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. So even in the 10 commandments, we have this, the great command of loving God and loving each other, how it all connects together. So, um, so we started this journey um, and it began with the word, uh, well, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery and uh, you're not supposed to have any other gods before me. This is what God said, first one. So in other words, that sermon I preached was, um, you know, God doesn't want to play second fiddle in our life. And then we talked a little bit about idols and God says, listen, I don't want you to make any kind of graven in- image before me because once again, because God is the source of life, sustainer of life, the existence of life. Um, you know, you can't create some kind of image to actually depict who I am was what God's saying. It just doesn't work. And then last week we talked a little bit about the circle of life because that command to honoring your parents, you know, that has really had to do with, you know, as we get older, that our children would actually take care of us. And so there's, God made that very clear that, um, and that's really what that command's all about. Matter of fact, I give you a couple examples about how Jesus honored his mother. Now we know very little about his relationship with his father. We know that he fathers, uh, following his father's footsteps and being a carpenter. We know that. We um, know that um, uh, Joseph was a very good, evidently a very good carpenter, and he um, uh, worked in the community, and, and Jesus followed in his father's step. But we know very little about that relationship. But we do know a little bit more about his relationship with his mother. And first, right out of the gate in the Gospel of John, uh, we find the miracle of uh, turning the water into wine. And so Mary goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, they run out of wine. And he says, well, that's not my problem, right? And then she says, well, you know, can you help us out? And um, so Jesus helps them out and turns the water into wine. And they had one big party. And so there's one way, I give you an example of that, how Jesus honored his mother, but also in in the most profound way, I gave you the example last week of how Jesus is dying on the cross, right? And he's looking down. I gave you that kind of image. And I didn't realize this until, you know, maybe a year or two ago that, when you were dying on the, the crucifixions were close enough that his mother probably could have reached up and touched his heart, which is amazing to think that they were so close in the close proximity they could have a conversation. So Jesus is looking down from the cross and says, um, woman, behold your son and uh, your son hold, behold your mother. And he's referring to John. And so we have that part of the story. So, which is once again, the circle of life. Jesus wanted to make sure his mother was taken care of in his last dying breath. Pretty amazing. 
Now we have this story today and this command or this word, and, and this is how it goes. Now listen, I'm gonna give you, uh, it's the third command, I'm gonna give this to you and I'm gonna give you different translations because um, it, it really the wordage here, and you go back, really has multiple meanings, especially if you look at the different translations of this particular command. So. Here's the one that you all know probably the best, and it comes from the King James Version, and this is how it says, you shall not take the Lord your God's name in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless or who takes his name in vain. So we know that version. And then here's one from the New Revised Standard Version, which I have in my Bible. You shall not make a wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. And then I found this one. This is called the easy to read version. You must not use the name of the Lord your God to make empty promises. If you do, the Lord will not let you go unpunished. And then we have the NIV version, and I love this ter interpretation. Do not use the Lord your God's name as if it were of no significance. The Lord won't forgive anyone who uses his name in that way. So you all may say, well, Harold, um, you know, what's that all about? You know, which one is it? And the answer is, well, I mean, it's a little bit of all of it, actually. If you go back and look at the original translation, it has a lot, well, it has to do with not taking God's name in vain or wrongful use or empty promises or no significance. So let's kind of break this down. So um, the time my sermon is titled, um, the idea was, you know, um, hacking God's name or hallowed is his name. Now, how I came up with that this week, that title of my sermon, Hacking God's Name, I don't know about you realize this, but you know what? There has been a lot of um, what they call hacking even at a high level across our country. For example, I know this is gonna be true because I read it in the, well, I read it in the, on the internet and I found it on the village, I think I found it on the village news and, and then, you know, they don't lie. And so here's the headline. The village's hospital crippled by ransomware attack. Now, I don't know if you are realize this, but you know, a couple of weeks ago, the University of Florida network, when we're, you know, the village's hospital is actually connected to the University of Florida now, and they are running the village's hospital. And so if you went about two or three weeks ago to the hospital, they were doing this all by hand because the computers were shut down because someone had, uh, had, had them under cyber attack. And um, I heard about that and I, it was pretty amazing that here we are in the villages. They, we, they even hacked into that computer. I, I know that they were hacking into the, the pipeline of a few, about a, a month or so ago. And so they literally shut down a pipeline that ran a part of, the, a part of our country, which was just amazing. So these cyber criminals. And then, you know, I heard that they shut down a, like an electrical grid. And that was to me, it's just amazing how, uh, how these cyber, cyber criminals can hack in in these multi-hundred million, billion dollar companies. And, and so we have all that going. Now, listen, you all say, okay, well, Harold, I, I get that. So, but you know, that, what does that have to do with me? I mean, that's just billion dollar companies. Well, let me tell you something. It, all of a sudden it gets really personal when someone hacks into your name, right? For example, this last week I was um, talking, I, it was interesting because I was putting the sermon together and I get this email from one of our friends of our church and she says, you know, she was saying how much she appreciated the message last week. And then she says, you know, uh, we lost our dog and we were trying to buy a dog actually online and it turned out that people, the people that we were trying to buy uh, the dog from online were actually cutting and pasting pictures from another um, website and putting it on their website and as our daughters look into it, it was all a scam. So all they were trying to do is get their name and get their ID 
in order, and they were just trying to buy a dog. Uh, the other day, my wife went down to Miami, and so she went to go see Marley Ray, our, our, the most beautiful grandchild in the whole world. And, um, and so she went and she bought donuts, she bought them online. She, it was one of those things that, you know, because Olivia and Mitch, they live downtown in Miami, and so they actually deliver donuts and, donuts. and so she put in her information or whatever, and, and, and next thing you know, the, well, uh, lo and behold, the donuts didn't show up. Can you imagine that? And so about three or four days later after Donnie gets home, she says, Harold, were you actually riding an Uber in downtown Miami like four or five days ago? I said, no, honey, I was here. So they hacked into our name, right? And all she was trying to do, not trying to buy a dog, but she was just trying to buy a donut. Someone trying to hack my name. You know, um, I literally about, I don't know, about two or three years ago, I started all of a sudden getting all these Sprint bills. I, you know, our, my carry was Sprint. And all of a sudden, what was amazing is I was getting bills for thousands of dollars because I was buying up all these iPhones. I didn't know I, I don't even own an iPhone, right? <laughs> thousands and thousands. It was a whole, it was connected to UPS out of New York City. Someone hacked into my name. And I don't know about you all, but from time to time, this has literally happened. And my wife wanted me to actually weave this, actually wove this into a sermon today. She says, Harold, you're, you're, the congregation needs to know this. And so my, my staff every once in a while gets an email, but it's not from me, but it looks like it's from me. And it begins, and you, maybe you all have actually gotten an email from me, and it usually begins, I need a favor. And the favor is, I need for you to go buy some uh, iPhone gift cards, blah, 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 blah. And then it's signed Pastor Harold. So if you get an email from me that says, I need a favor, I'm telling you, it ain't me because I don't even own iPhone, right? <laughs> so you know, it's interesting how, and we live in this era today, and it really, pardon the pun, it really hacks me that someone's trying to hack my name that someone's trying to exploit my name. Someone's trying to take advantage of my name. And so if it bothers me, we have this command today that maybe, you know, maybe it bothers God when, our, when his name is taken and used in an inappropriate way. And that's what this really, this actual command is really all about. Now, I, I thought this, like, once again, let me just read it again. Do not use the Lord your God's name in vain, or do not use the Lord your God's name as if it were it had absolutely no significance. Now, what's interesting here, and most of us understand when we look at the, the first one, the King James Version, about the word name in vain. So, w- typically when we hear this, and probably you were raised with this, the idea that you weren't supposed to use God's name, and it usually used, maybe it was connected to profanity. Um, and, and so, when that, so, well, I, I've got this great story. Does anybody play golf? Anybody play golf? So, so uh, this is a title. So a young man was playing golf with a pastor. At a short hole, the pastor asked, what are you going to use on this hole? The young man says, well, I'm going to use an eight iron, Reverend. How about you? And the pastor says, I'm going to use a saw seven and pray. The young man hits the eight iron, puts the ball in the green. The pastor tops his seven iron and dribbles the ball just a few feet. At this point, the pastor begins swearing and talking to God. The young man says, I don't know about you, Reverend, but in my church, when we pray, we keep our head down. I thought that was pretty good. All right. So the word profanity in the Latin, pro means outside. And famine, which the F-A-M, I think it's F-A-M-U-M, we get the word fanity. 
has to do with the temple. So you put the words together, and so when you think about using God's name, is that you're taking God's name and throwing it outside the temple in an appropriate way. So for example, it would be, you know, it would be sacrilegious of me if I would go and take the cross off the altar and go throw it in the dumpster, right? I mean, that would just be unheard of. That, you know, that would be, that would be a, a terrible thing. And so when we look at the context of this particular command, the word idea that the, taking God's name in vain could uh, well, be used in a way that would be inappropriate and that we're taking something that's considered sacred and throwing it outside of the temple or the sacred place. My, my grandmother used to say to me, and maybe you all can relate to this, Harold Ray, if you don't shape up, I'm gonna wash your mouth out with soap, right? You ever heard that? Anybody else heard that? Right. So, and so, um, you know, the idea of something is sacred when throwing it outside the temple. Um, for example, I'll give you another example. So when we have Holy Communion, um, so a lot of times when we would do it, you know, we have these individual cups after the pandemic, which has made things a little simpler. But when we, when we go, when we take the bread and we dip into the wine, we would usually have the wine or the communion juice left over. Well, what do we do with the communion juice? Do we just, you know, dump it down the seat? No. Um, matter of fact, every time I, you know, ever we have communion and I, I'm in charge of actually getting, uh, actually disposing of the Holy Communion, the sacrament, you know, what I do is I don't just pour it down the drain or t- pour it down the toilet. You just can't do that. I go out and I walk through those doors over there and I pour it back into the ground. Matter of fact, when Gary Bullock was senior pastor here years and years ago, when we had the original sanctuary, the sink over there in the sacristy literally went out and it was a place that you could actually take the communion juice and it would go straight. It would go down the sink, but it would go into the ground because we paid attention to that detail. Don't miss the detail. So when you come to, even when I've done holy baptisms and I've blessed the water and we use it in a very holy, sacred way, if I'm gonna take that and take it, I'm actually not gonna just throw it out. I take it and I pour it back into the ground. This is what it means, the idea of not taking God's name in vain. The idea of using it in a very sacred way, not just to throw it out. So we have that part of the interpretation of the story about not taking God's name in vain. But we also have this other interpretation like in the NIV. It says, don't use God's name in an insignificant way. With a literal translation there, I think this is amazing because once again, it has to do with what I talked about last week about our parents and the idea that our parents are supposed to be considered someone who is important. And the idea that I gave you the word heavy and the the opposite of heavy is light. And and the words here, here in the little con- uh, connection has to do with not taking the word of uh, the, the, the name of Almighty God in a light-hearted fashion, not to use it light-heartedly, not taking God's name in vain. Don't take it insignificantly. So let me teach on this. So, so, but once again, uh, commandment or word number one is actually very closely connected to command number three, not taking God's name in vain. And, and not, well, believe, once again, don't put any gods before me. So let's go back and learn first something. So the, the word Yahweh, okay? So if you look, I am the Lord your God, or I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. And so the command here is, once again, do not use the Lord your God, or do not use Yahweh your God's name in an insignificant way or in, in vain. 
So what is that all about? So the word Yahweh, once again, as I share with you all right of the gate, has everything to do with, it's not to be taken lightheartedly. It's not, not to be just thrown out. It's not something insignificant. It's not to be taken in, in the name in vain. And the reason why Yahweh is a really big deal because the word Yahweh has everything to do with God being the sustainer of life. And I've shared with these over and over again. God is the source of life. God is the existence of life. He is the one who's given the breath that we breathe and so when you look at the word Yahweh, it's a really big deal because, you know, I love the way Paul put it in the book of Acts as he tries to explain to the Greek philosophers 2,000 years ago his idea of who God really is. This is what Paul says, in him we live and move and have our being, God, Yahweh. Do you realize that Yahweh is actually mentioned 6,000 different times in the Bible? the word Yah or Yahweh. It's, and so it's really, really important that God really is, and we think about how holy his name is, how sacred his name is. It's not to be taken lightheartedly. It's not insignificant. It's not to be taken in vain in a form of profanity, but it has everything to do with God is the source of life, sustainer of life, the existence of life. So listen, what if we just took that word Yahweh and once again, we interject it in, in scripture that we know from heart. For example, Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. I dwell in the house of Yahweh forever, 23rd Psalm. Or from the, one of the greatest creeds in the, whole, in, the, in the Old Testament, Israel, listen up. Our God is Yahweh, only Yahweh, love Yahweh. Your God is with all, love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength, Yahweh. And what's very interesting is that, as I share with you all, this command really goes back to the ancient children of Israel who were so concerned that if they said the word Yahweh, that they would misuse it. So about the time that Jesus came on, about 2,000 years ago, the, the children of Israel came up with this idea that let's come up with a way that we can just, uh, use God's name but not use Yahweh because it's considered so holy that we came and say the word, we came and pronounce the name. So they came up with another name, which when there's seven different names that we have in the Bible. So Yah or Yahweh or Elohim or El Shaddai, we have all these different names. And so what's very interesting and powerful, so they came up with this other name called Adonai. And Adonai, if you go and look at your Bible and you see the word Lord, L-O-R-D in the English translation, the word there literally goes back to the word Adonai and they use Adonai rather than the word Yahweh in order that they, because they were so concerned that if they used the word Yahweh in the wrong way, they would speak it, somehow it would be taking God's name in vain. So when every time you see the word L-O-R-D in the Bible, you know it's actually it's Adonai and the translation, but it actually goes back to the word Yahweh, which means God is the sustainer of life, the source of life. He says the existence of all life. So what happens, and you look at your Bible in the English translation, some of the emphasis and some of the greatness of what God, who God really is, gets lost in the translation. So we look at this, and why is that so significant? Because God wants us to know that his name is holy. God wants us to realize it not to be taken in vain, not to use it in profanity, not to be able to use it lightly, not to use it in an insignificant way. This is the idea that, well, the children of Israel, when God gave the 10 commandments and gave us this particular command, number three, it has everything to do with keeping his name as holy and revered and sacred.
Now, so we have that part of the story of the word, but here's another little part, and I think this is really important. So we have this, this the idea that God's name not to be taken in vain and thrown out of the temple, but we also have this connection that it's connected to an oath. So where do we get that? So the idea of, maybe you've heard this expression, I will swear to God. And, and the idea there is not necessarily me using, uh, using God's name in a, in a, well, a profane way, but when the idea of swearing to God literally goes back to, let me give you a couple examples. Where we see this in contemporary society? Well, if you ever go and have to go to court, you're gonna lay your hand on the Bible and they're, they're gonna say, repeat after me, will you swear to take the uh, whole truth, tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, but so help you, God. So the idea when you go back to this command has everything to do with telling the truth. And you're swearing on God's holy name that you're swearing that you actually are telling the truth. Or the idea, once again, not only the idea of, of telling the truth, but also of making a promise. Do you realize that even when our presidents get inaugurated, guess what they do? Usually when the presidents, they bring their baby a, a, a family heirloom or maybe one of their Bibles that they had and they lay their hand on the Bible and they swear to uh, uphold the Constitution of the United States of America. It's a really big deal, right? And they're making an oath, they're making a promise. So where else do we find this? Well, maybe even something as, as simple as our marriage vows. Do you realize that? Um, if I'm, some of you all, maybe I've, I've married you here, but you know, when I married Donna, you know, 30 something years ago, I don't know how many years, it's been a long time. And so, <laughs> and, so um, and, and so, you know, when we made our, took our wedding vows, I here will take thee Donna to be my wedded wife to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, to love and to cherish till death do us part according to God's holy ordinance. I thereto pledge thee my faith. So when I took those vows, it was not only making a profession of my faith and love for Donna, but it was actually a profession, a covenant I made between God and me and her. It's all together. It's, it's a covenant. It's a promise. It's an oath that we take. So when we look at the word, the idea of this, this particular command, it's even not only is wrapped up in when our presidents take their oath, it has to do with people, thousands of people all across the America tomorrow when they go and take their oath in all these different courthouses and it has everything to do with the people who actually get married. It has to do with this, this has something is sacred of the idea of promise and oath. I love what the Leviticus says this, and you shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall profane the name of your God. A few years ago, or a few months ago, I did a, a sermon, uh, I did a, actually a, 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 um, a memorial service for my friend Ron Moore. I love Ron. Ron was a part of our men's breakfast. He was like their church treasurer, a treasurer for a men's breakfast. And so the theme for Ron Moore's service was this. He was a man of his word. In other words, when he said whatever he said, he, it, was, it was a good. He, you knew that he was a man of great integrity. And I wove that into his, in his whole service. So when you think about this command, it has something to do about not taking the Lord God's name in vain, profanity, taking something as sacred and throwing it out of the temple. And it does have something to do with being insignificant, not taking his name lightheartedly. And it does have something about telling the truth. It has something to do with making a, a promise. So what does Jesus have to say about this command? Well, he has a lot to say about it, actually, because it has to do with the promise. And we find what Jesus has to say about this particular command, about making a promise, we find it in the Sermon on the Mount. 
And this is what Jesus had to say about this command. He says, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to do not swear at all, neither by heaven for it's God's throne, for not by earth for it is the, his footstool, for not by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head because you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your yes be a yes, Jesus says, and let your no be a no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. So what did Jesus mean by that? What was he talking about? Well, back in the ancient tradition 2,000 years ago, that they would have this idea like, maybe you heard this expression, I'm gonna swear on my mother's grave, right? In other words, I'm, I'm swearing, I'm, you know, I, what, I'm, I, what, it, what that meant was when you swore to something like that, it meant that you were, it was like the extreme, that you, it would be, you were, whatever you were saying was meant to be taken, um, not lightheartedly, but it was taken, that was, it was extremely important. And so when we get to this, Jesus is saying back then they were swearing to the heaven, they were swearing to the temple, they were swearing to the gold in the temple. And so that was the context of this particular scene that Jesus finds in the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus is saying, you don't have to swear to anything. You don't have to swear to heaven. You don't have to swear in your mother's grave. You don't have to swear on the gold in the temple. You don't have to swear on the temple. He says, let your yes be a yes and let your no be a no. In other words, let your word be what it really is. In other words, be a person of great integrity, be a person of great worth, be a person who's following righteousness and let people know who you are and they're connected to me and how you live out your life and you don't have to swear anything. That's what Jesus is saying. So Jesus has this interesting spin on the idea of not taking the Lord God's name in vain. Jesus says, you don't have to swear to anything. It's how you con- willing to conduct your life. And we see this in life, right? The idea of keeping a promise or keeping an oath or telling the truth. Because if you don't have, you can't trust somebody, your relationship was, isn't worth a hill of beans. Can okay, amen on that. I mean, it's the idea of, of who you are and how that person that you are of, of, of sacred worth, of a person of integrity. So that's what Jesus is saying, how we conduct our lives, how we live our lives, how we wanna live out our lives and how we relate to each other. And we can be trustworthy people and people of integrity. That's what Jesus is saying. And so I thought it was very interesting as I was writing my message this week about, you know, let your word be your word. Let, you know, let your no be your no and your yes be a yes. I thought a couple examples of this, you can all, you can all kind of relate to this, a person of, of great integrity. So for example, sometimes when your word is a word, it's a sacrifice. When you say something, you're gonna do it. Um, so what my friend Barry, uh, about, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago when we were building a church and we were at, new, at, our, at Faith, we were borrowing about three and a half million dollars. And well, that was a lot of money. I mean, you know, we borrowed seven and a half million dollars here, but you know, the church at, in Boynton Beach was maybe a quarter of the size of this one. So it was a big leap of faith. So the only way that we could do that is that we had to have a capital campaign. And my friend Barry, who was um, doing extremely well at that time, he came forward and he made a commitment to the church. He literally made the commitment to the church. He says, I'll give a million dollars. Well, that's a, that's a pretty big commitment. Right? I mean, we're all like, wow, okay. Now, the only way that we could ever even think about doing what we're doing is because of that commitment. So, of course, you know, when it comes to building, sometimes it takes 
longer than you think, okay? And so, um, so what happened was, in the midst of that, um, the economy tanked. And guess what kind of line of work Barry was in? Construction. And so, you know what? I, I'll never forget this. Because when it came time that we had to have the money, Barry scraped up the money. Matter of fact, I saw the checks and I saw that, you know, he didn't have, you know, all his money in one place. It wasn't like coming out of one big account. He literally had to go get it from three or four different accounts and you put it all together and it was a million dollars because his word was his word. Promise was a promise. Let your yes be a yes. Let your no be a no. Let me give another one that's on a smaller scale. I've got this friend who works, he owns a little independent company in Wildwood. It's called Sumter Tire. His name is Bobby. Bobby's wife works with my wife. They work over there at the village's charter school. And so I trade with Bobby. And the reason why I trade with Bobby and I always go to Sumter Tire is because whenever I go in, whatever I, I say, Bobby, this is what's going on. And he'll say, okay, Harold, we're going to take care of you. And whatever Bobby says is exactly what Bobby means. And he'll tell me exactly how much it's going to cost. It's not going to be a penny more. It's not going to be a penny less because Bobby's a man of his word. Let your yes be a yes. Let your no be a no. How we live out our lives. Promise is a promise. So, I, you know, I close with this, this um, just a couple of thoughts. When, when the idea about living out who we are. Um, let me give you this little example. So, um, I don't know if you've ever seen these signs on back of trucks. And so, um, can you show this sign? So, have you ever seen these signs around, how's my driving? Now, let me tell you something. It, 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 I'm sure that we have trucks that go through the villages and probably you've seen that bumper sticker. And so, let me tell you something. In the villages, if you're not driving very well um, when you have one of those trucks, I guarantee you somebody is gonna call you in. I'm just gonna tell you. If you drive one of those trucks, so, I mean, because you don't get away with nothing in the villages. I'm just telling you that, okay. And, and so, so, if somebody's weaving around and you're going out here on 466 and somebody's got that little thing, somebody's probably gonna call them in, right? And the idea is, if you see that bumper sticker on the back of a truck and you see the logo, who that truck is actually the co company that it is, somehow the way that that person is driving is a representation of the company. So, I mean, the company may be a fantastic company. Maybe they're to, you know, a Cheney Brothers or some kind of has to do with Faney uh, food or some kind of something. And you think, well, you know, actually they're a very good company, but their driver is a really cruddy driver. And so because they're a credit driver, then all of a sudden people see the logo and think, well, that must not be a very good company, right? So let me ask you something. As believers in Jesus Christ, how's your driving? How do we live out our lives? You know, I, I, I share with this, my, one of my favorite Fred Craddock stories, I shared this with me three or four years ago. Fred Craddock was one of the greatest professors I had at, at Emory University. He was a homiletics professor. And I never forget this story. He says, one time there was a man who walked into, I think it was like a J.C. Penney's, and he wanted a cross. And so he went to the counter and told the lady, I'd like to have a cross. And she says, well, we have all these crosses. Pick one. And so he's going through all the crosses. And he, she, he says, you know, I want one with that little man on it. <laughs> I want a cross with a little man on it. What does the cross mean? If we're wearing to wear the cross and we bear the cross, that if we're going to wear the cross, 
It's a representation of how we live and love, live out our lives in the name of Jesus Christ, right? How's our driving? Our yes be a yes and our no be a no. Not taking God's name in vain. So my sermon title today was about, you know, hacking God's name or hallowed is his name. Do you realize it? We'll close with this. The prayer that Pastor Ellen just led us in, led it, led us in just a few minutes ago. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is his name. We pray it over and over again, but do you see the connection between what we pray every single week here at New Covenant and I met this church and the Lord's Prayer actually goes back to the third command of the third word that we find in the Ten Commandments. That God's name is holy, sacred. He is Yahweh. He's not just Adonai. He is Adonai. He is Lord in our English version of the Bible. But what, when, the, when we look at the original translation of what taking God's name in vain, it is the word Yahweh. And God is not just any other God. He's the sustainer of life. He's the source of life. He's the absolute existence of life. He is the author of the breath that we breathe. And when we use his name, it should not be insignificant. It should be respectful and holy. Lord Jesus, we're grateful for this day you've given to us and for the love that we have for you and your son, Jesus Christ. So help us, Lord, uh, to continue to live into these commands that you have given to us and let us take them seriously, especially when we talked about today, Lord, that we're just so grateful how holy and how sacred your name is and let us live out our life, living it for you. In Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's children said, Amen and amen. Let's stand as we go out.